Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Atlanta, Georgia with my new friend Jonah McDonald of SecretAtlanta.com. Jonah literally walked over 2,000 miles from Maine to live in Atlanta. He loves that it's a huge international city that often feels like a small town. In this episode, Jonah and I talk about the hidden parks within the city, tiny doors that spark your imagination, and where to find Atlanta's first peach tree. You're about three, three fun stories, plus a bunch more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Atlanta. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, I quick spin in the washing machine and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and to select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Jonah, welcome to the show. Hi, Lee. I'm excited to be here, even if it's uh, virtual here. <laughs> I moved to Nashville a few years ago, and one of the great cities that I love to visit, kind of like a weekend trips, is Atlanta. I know a little bit about it because I've, I've interviewed my buddy Pete before, but you know all the secrets of Atlanta, and that's why I'm super excited to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to share them with you, too. Uh, going on scavenger hunts is one of my passions, and uh, I think that in any city, you can find off the beaten path things, things that make you scratch your head and say, why is that there? Or perhaps things that you just really want to know the story about. And so I've been going and gathering all those stories and I'm excited to share some of them with you. Fantastic. I think that's one of the things that really got me doing this whole podcast is that anybody can go on Google and look up the best things to do in in whatever city, but interviewing local experts like you really kind of bring out some of those hidden gems that most people will never find or never hear about. You have an actually really interesting story as far as how you actually arrived in Atlanta. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yeah, I, I walked here. I started up in Maine <laughs> at Mount Katahdin, and I hiked the whole Appalachian Trail, which is what people call a through hike, from Mount Katahdin up in Maine all the way down to Georgia. It's uh, 2,172.1 miles. And when I arrived in Atlanta, I knew I was here to stay. Fantastic. Yeah, you can't forget that last point one. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's very, hey, when you do a hike like that, you have got to take credit for every step. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So what, what motivated you to actually do that hike? Honestly, I was just really looking for who I wanted to be in the world, what I wanted my profession to be, what I felt like I could provide for my community. And I was stuck. I, you know, I was in my early 20s. I didn't know what I wanted. And I thought, well, maybe going on a very long hike, some might call it a pilgrimage, would lead me to that. And lo and behold, now I'm a park ranger and author of two books. <laughs> yeah, if I started in my early 20s, I would finish in my early 30s. So. <laughs> okay, so obviously you did a lot to get there and uh, you've been there a few years now. What's the thing that really kind of keeps you in Atlanta? Well, I'm just passionate about big cities. I'm passionate about diversity. And I'm also passionate about the South. And I think Atlanta gives you all those things. We're a very, very cosmopolitan city. The county I live in, DeKalb County, is one of the most diverse cities in the whole country, has so many languages, people from every walk of life, every nationality, every ethnicity. And yet, somehow Atlanta feels like a small town. 
And so you get a little bit of that small town feel where you run into people three or four times in different areas of town that you say, well, how are we running into each other here? But yet there's all this stuff that you can go explore and always find something new. So I just love how Atlanta is a combination of those two um, aspects of, of city life. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, that true American melting pot, uh, like you said, from all the different ethnicities and languages and everything else. That's really cool. So if you had to describe Atlanta in just a, a couple words, how would you do that? Well, I kind of said it already, but um, big town with a small town feel. Okay, so if people are planning to visit Atlanta, I know from living here in Nashville now, it gets hot and muggy in the summertime. What are some <laughs> of the best times to visit? Well, I am just so in love with spring in Atlanta. The weather is great. The trees and shrubs are all flowering. It is absolutely gorgeous. And the best part is the mosquitoes haven't come out yet. Are there certain like festivals or, or concerts or fairs or something like that that when people are planning their visit, maybe they should kind of uh, organize a trip around? Well, Lee, Atlanta is just a city of festivals. Pretty much every little municipality in the whole metro area has its own festival uh, at different times of the year. But since I'm really talking about, you know, the secret or less known things, I'm going to lift up one festival that is uh, really cool and unique. And it's called the Adair Park Porches and Pies Festival. And it's exactly what you'd expect it to be. There's all these houses around Adair Park and people open up their porches play music, hang out, and serve pies. You can't beat a festival like that, right? Yeah, that's that Southern hospitality that you know you hear so much about, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, if we're planning to visit Atlanta, obviously we're going to fly into uh, Hartsfield, uh, right? That's like the major airport that's there. Yep. And then from getting from the airport to, to the city, I know it's a little bit, the airport's a little bit outside of town. What's the best way to get around uh, once we arrive at the airport? Most people rent a car, but I'm going to give you some suggestions on maybe not doing that because Atlanta is a city that gets a bad rap for having a ton of traffic. Even though downtown does have a ton of parking and you can, you can definitely always find a spot, the thing that's unusual about Atlanta as well is that it's such a pocket city. Each little neighborhood has its kind of own feel and own culture. And so if you root yourself in one area of town, you could either get yourself around just on a bicycle, you could walk your way around, or also we have the, the MARTA system, which is not incredibly extensive in terms of trains. But if you plan your trip around not wanting to have to drive through Atlanta traffic, you can totally make that happen. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, as the, the dad of my family, I'm always stuck driving and having to like, be focused on the road and I can't really enjoy all the scenery or some of the attractions that we may drive by. And so anytime we can not drive, I'm super happy. Yeah, and there's some cool bicycle tours that you can do in Atlanta. There's one organization called Civil Bikes that does bicycle tours about African-American history and civil rights history. And there's another tour company called uh, Bicycle Tours of Atlanta that also does amazing tours about the history and also public art in Atlanta. So if you want to hop on a bicycle, people don't think of Atlanta as you know a bicycle town, but uh, it's becoming that really. Yeah. You worry about that because I originally I'm from you know the LA area and we're used to like that urban sprawl over there in California. So 
oftentimes we don't think about other cities being able to be walkable or bikeable uh, in a very easy way like that. You just have to be deliberate about where you choose to be. I mean, if you decide that you want to see the sites on the west side of town, the east side of town, north side of town, and south side of town, well, you need a car. But if you really want to root yourself in one community while you're visiting Atlanta, then you can do that and then find many alternative ways to get around. I mean, is it pretty easy to say if like we want to see like the west side of town and we're staying on the east side, we can take an Uber or, or something over to the other to the west side and then rent a bike in that area? Oh, totally. There's bike shares throughout town. There's also all these electric scooters uh, all around town, too. So there's definitely ways you can get around if you decide, well, I want to go visit the Wren's Nest, which is a museum and uh, storytelling venue in our West End neighborhood, which is the home of Joel Chandler Harris, who wrote down the Br'er Rabbit stories. So if you want to go visit there and you decide you don't want to walk back, yeah, hop an Uber or even hop on a scooter and make your way back. Again, Parking in Atlanta is not really a problem, so you can uh, you can always get around in a car, but that's what everybody will tell you. And I'm here to tell you, try something a little different this time. Fantastic. Obviously, now we've we've left the airport. We got to, to the downtown area. Uh, what part of town should we look at staying? I'm going to give you a couple suggestions of neighborhoods that the typical tourist guides may not tell you about. One is called Castleberry Hill. It has an area that has a bunch of art... Um, galleries and also restaurants. And it may not be the first one that you're going to see in the tourist guide. You're going to see people tell you to go to Midtown, go to Buckhead, and those are cool places to go. Um, And then over on the east side of town, you might check out Virginia Highlands, another cool neighborhood with little shopping areas and and restaurants uh, and just beautiful tree-lined streets. Oh, that sounds gorgeous. (laughs) <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's talk about some of like the, the hidden secrets of, of Atlanta and some of the things that maybe you won't find anyplace else other than your book. How about I give you a, an idea for something that you could uh, that, that you probably wouldn't find in, in another city? The first thing we're going to get to is what about uh, the music of Atlanta? Now, Atlanta has a long history of music, but one of the best-selling artists ever to come out of Atlanta is the hip-hop duo Outkast. You can actually go stand on the place where uh, Andre and Big Boy first got their break and first signed on for their first album. And it's a shopping center that probably looks almost exactly the way it did when they laid down their their first rhymes there in the parking lot in front of a beauty parlor. Uh, And it's a place called Headland and Delow. And it's in kind of the Tri-Cities area, which is kind of southwestern Atlanta. And again, this is not a tourist destination. There's not a museum there. There's not even a historical marker saying this is where Outkast got their start. But folks who are really into hip-hop and love Outkast music will actually go to this place just to take their picture in front of the Headland and Delow sign, which, you know, Outkast did a shout-out to in one of their songs. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I remember their music playing on the radio. They're, they had a lot of good, great songs, and, and Andre's in the movies now, so it's pretty cool. That's right. Uh, you know, Georgia is known for peaches and, and things of that nature. There's like a, a first peach tree in Atlanta, right? That's right. You know, one of the things that Atlantans love to talk about is one of the reasons it's hard to find your way around is because every street seems to be named peach tree. I think it's over 75 streets in the metro area that are all named some form of peach tree. Oh, man, my GPS must be like freaking out. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. You got to make sure it's like Peachtree Boulevard Northeast. You got to make sure it's all in there. 
<laughs> but the original Peachtree is actually the really the first settlement in the Atlanta metro area, and it was right where Peachtree Creek met the Chattahoochee River, which are two of our major waterways in the city. And it was a Native American village and trading post called Standing Peachtree. Today, there's a park there that's called Fort Peachtree Park because on the site of Standing Peachtree, there was eventually a Revolutionary War era fort that was called Fort Peachtree. And now you can go and take a walk in this park and actually see the spot where the original Peachtree was. But my favorite part of this story is that historians give two different stories of why Peachtree is called Peachtree. Well, the first is, is that there was a large mound there that had a gigantic peach tree growing on it. And so it became known as Standing Peachtree. But there's another story, and I'm not exactly sure which one's true. And this one says that even though the Spaniards did bring peaches to Georgia in the 1500s, they weren't very widespread, and peach trees don't actually grow incredibly well in the Atlanta area. So more likely, it was the most common tree in Atlanta, the loblolly pine, that was growing on that mound. And the loblolly pine has pitch that runs out of it, and oftentimes people called it a pitch tree which, of course, then got changed into peach tree. Which story is true? The world may never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. It's amazing how language evolves over the years. And sometimes, uh, especially before people were, were writing things down as much, as the stories were patched from one person to the next, maybe a little bit of dialect or a little bit of language barriers or whatever changed the, the wording sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's true, and I love the fact that a lot of the history stories, you just can't know for sure which one it is. So in some ways, you know, as a storyteller myself, you know, pick the one that you like the best and then go with it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Obviously, Atlanta has a lot of history, both from the Civil War as well as even during the Civil Rights era. I know there's a lot of different sites there. Can you tell us about a few of those? Yeah, you know, one of the places that folks almost always go to when they visit Atlanta is the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. National Historic Site and the King Center. And absolutely, you should visit those places. We also have a new museum in town that's called the uh, Center for Civil and Human Rights, which also does a beautiful job of presenting the civil rights movement, Dr. King's legacy, and then connecting it to uh, movements for justice today, which is also a really important thing. But what we also find is that the stories of the civil rights movement in Atlanta sometimes don't get lifted up as much as they could. And there's one story that I find really arresting about Atlanta that has no historical marker. But just like how you can go to Headland and Delow and see this story, this, the place where this story happened, you can go visit the place of the civil rights moment. In the early 1960s, there was an African-American physician who moved into the Peyton Forest neighborhood in southwest Atlanta. And when his family bought the house, today you think, oh, a doctor moved in next door. That's great. But at the time, the white residents said, this is going to destroy our neighborhood. There's a black person moving into our neighborhood. They petitioned City Hall to close off the streets so no more black people would move into their neighborhood. And lo and behold, the mayor at the time put up a barricade blocking off the roads between Peyton Forest and the neighborhoods, which were predominantly black, north of the neighborhood. International media got a hold of this and there became pictures, headlines, and people started calling it the Atlanta Berlin Wall. It got such bad press that the mayor ended up having to take down the wall after a huge amount of 
protests from the African-American community. But this story is one that many people just don't remember. And today, if you go to the actual location where that barricade was put up, it's just kind of a sleepy suburban community. Beautiful little houses, tree-lined streets, and no historical markers at all. One of the things that I feel like my passion is about Atlanta is telling the stories that people have either actively or passively forgotten about so that when you come and visit Atlanta, it's not just the story that everybody tells. When you go home and start telling your friends about your trip to Atlanta, you're going to be able to surprise them with stories about our city that other people may not have heard. Absolutely. It's odd that without that marker, I can imagine that over time, some people move into that area or move into like literally right on the edge of those where that wall was. And they probably don't even know that that historical significance it's actually happened right there. That's right. Reclaiming those stories of history, even if they're ones that don't make Atlanta look you know, super great like this one, reclaiming those to me gives more depth to what this city is about and can also kind of push us forward to do better. Absolutely. So a lot of times I travel with my kids. Uh, Right now they're five and nine. One thing that I think that was really cool that we kind of talked about before is being able to hunt through, hunt for small doors that are hidden throughout the city. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, there is a really, really cool art project called Tiny Doors Atlanta, and it's taken off. And and so, for instance, if you go to some of the famous places in Atlanta, like the Center for Puppetry Arts or the Fox Theater, look around really closely and you're going to find a tiny door. I'm talking like eight inches tall, hidden in that famous place. And what I think is great about it is part of it's a scavenger hunt, but part of it, it's something that allows you to let your imagination go wild and think, who would walk through that door? Or why is that door there in the first place? And the thing that the artist does, which I think is really pretty excellent, is that she really gets to know the neighborhood or the location where she's putting this door in. And she makes sure that that door really fits the locale. An example of that is we have this one underpass underneath the railroad tracks. People call it the Krog Tunnel because it's uh, Krog Street goes underneath the railroad tracks there. And this underpass, which is kind of like a tunnel, has become the site for graffiti in Atlanta. People come from all over to put their tag on or to make some amazing urban art. It's a place that I really wish tourists would go more often because it's just such a neat and unique spot. But there's a tiny door there. And wouldn't you know it, the tiny door covered with graffiti as well. (laughs) (laughs) Taggers and graffiti artists, they'll they'll hit up anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, uh, as part of your job and as well as part of your walk, nature's a big thing for you. Can you tell us a couple like uh, really cool uh, outdoor venues or walks or hikes or something that we should that we should make sure we do when we're visiting? Well, obviously, I I do love hiking and nature. And and the first book I wrote is all about the hikes you can do inside the city. But one place that I think tourists would be super excited to go is a nature preserve called Cascade Springs Nature Preserve. Cascade Springs is on the west side of town. And it is about 150, it might even be close to 200 acres. It has about three miles of hiking trails, uh, a few of the largest trees in Atlanta, an honest to God waterfall, 
small one, but it's a waterfall inside the city. And it's also the site of a Civil War battlefield. So you have all these different layers of history. And on top of that, right as you enter the nature preserve, you find this little tiny house which was the site of the Cascade Spring. And people used to come to that spring to get water that they believed had healing qualities. So it's a really neat green space in which you can touch on some Civil War history, this interesting spring, see a waterfall, and also just take a peaceful hike right here in the city. That sounds pretty fantastic. Uh, one other one I think we don't want to miss out, I because I think my kids would really love it, is the Druid Hills area. Yeah, that's a neighborhood which most people know because it's the site where they filmed Driving Miss Daisy. Do you remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these beautiful old houses, very, you know, southern feel. But in that neighborhood, which was designed by the same person that designed Central Park in New York City, has these secret parks and secret passageways between the houses. They're open to the public. People today call them bywalks, and the reason why there's these little passageways is because there used to be a streetcar that ran down one of the streets in the neighborhood, but these streets were so long, people didn't want to have to walk all the way around the block to catch the streetcar, so they made these little passageways between these giant, beautiful palatial mansions. And so if you're walking around Druid Hills, you know, trying to find where Miss Daisy lived in that movie, you should also be on the lookout for those secret passageways, the bywalks. And again, I've had folks with kids tell me that they love going to try to find the secret walkways, but also we adults, you know, can have a great time with it as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I'm 45 now, but I think there's still quite a bit of a little kid inside me, you know, that has that, I, I use the excuse of my kids, but really sometimes it's for me, you know? <laughs> oh, we wouldn't be into travel and tourism if we weren't kids at heart, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, it's almost time for the final countdown, but I don't want to miss out on a couple of food recommendations. I know you have some great ones that are, are kind of off the beaten path. There's restaurants that you can find in just about any neighborhood. And again, what I, what I spoke of is how these neighborhoods almost have little town centers in each neighborhood. If you think about Atlanta as one giant circle, but then it's filled with all these tiny little circles. So whatever neighborhood you find yourself in, just make yourself to the little business district in the middle of that neighborhood, and you can almost always find a really cool restaurant to go to. One of them that I'm going to lift up, though, is uh, great because you get to walk through the mouth of a skull to walk into it. It's one of the places that I love to go get a burger, and it's called The Vortex, and it's in one of the more uh, you know, crunchy neighborhoods of Atlanta called Little Five Points. And when you're in Atlanta, if you want to see just about any kind of folk dressed any kind of way, doing their hair any kind of way, and go walk through the mouth of a skull to have a great burger, you should check out The Vortex. <laughs> That's really cool. Anything uh, that you can think of for, maybe for breakfast or maybe we can get, uh, satisfy our sweet tooth? The place you need to go if you're looking to satisfy your sweet tooth is look around for the ice cream shops that aren't the chains. There's one called Queen of Cream. There's another one called Butter and Cream. <laughs> They're all uh, named Cream. Hmm. And then there's also a small chain called Jenny's. Uh, and each of those is just... Uh, 
Absolutely delicious. The other thing is you mentioned breakfast, and we have a restaurant that started in Atlanta and has since become a chain, so you can find them all over the town, and it's called The Flying Biscuit. And uh, it's kind of a funky place with a really eclectic menu, and with every single meal you order, you get a biscuit. It's definitely, uh, definitely a place that no matter what neighborhood you're staying in, you can find a flying biscuit close to you. That sounds really delicious. Well, now it's time for the final countdown, Jonah. If somebody only had time for one meal in Atlanta, where should they go and what should they eat? I know I was saving this when you started asking about, uh, you started asking about restaurants. I was like, I gotta save R. Thomas. There is a restaurant on Peachtree, big surprise, on Peachtree Street, the Peachtree Street though, like the main one that goes through Atlanta. And this restaurant is a health food restaurant that stays open 24 hours, that has parrots living right outside the front door and windmills and pinwheels everywhere in the restaurant. It's one of the more unusual places because if you show up at 3 a.m., you're gonna find the, the crowd of folks needing a bite to eat after the clubs. If you go on a, uh, a Sunday afternoon, you're gonna find families eating there and they serve all healthy, organic food. And you know who started it? No, who's that? The guy who started Bojangles fast food chain. So this is a guy who was really, really into fast food. And later in life, he decided, I think I've been poisoning America. I need to start a <laughs> restaurant that's going to serve food that is just as comforting as fast food, but that's good for us. And now you can get some of the best chicken wings in town at R. Thomas. So you definitely need to go there, not just for the ambiance, but also for the food. Right on. Yeah, he's like trying to save his soul from uh, <laughs> all the fast food and calories that he's been putting on everybody. Yeah, and it's funny because he created an institution in Bojangles, but he also uh, created an institution in this one-off restaurant, which is still going even after after he's passed away, that's really an Atlanta mainstay, R. Thomas. Right on. Yeah, I will say this, though. Those Bojangles biscuits are amazing. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, I can't hate on Bojangles too much because those biscuits are wow. Okay, so you've been living in Atlanta for a little while now. What's one of your most memorable stories other than walking thousands of miles from, from Maine? <laughs> yeah, to get to Atlanta, right? You know, it, one of the things that just, I always come back to is that first weekend that I moved to Atlanta. It was the weekend of the Martin Luther King holiday. And I knew I was moving to the city that was the home of Dr. King, right? But when I went downtown to march in that King Day march on that, that Monday morning, and I saw so many people out in the streets celebrating Dr. King's legacy, standing up for what they believed in, and being kind of one community, even though we all came from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, and different races. It's that moment of walking in that very first Dr. King Get Day parade that I, that I marched in when I first moved to town that always brings me back to, that's what I want my Atlanta to be. That's a pretty amazing experience. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow, that's one of those things that's kind of monumental in your life, right? It is, but I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that also says that our city can be fun, it can be uh, have experiences of depth, it can be light and airy too. So, you know, we can be all those different things in Atlanta, and it, it's not a contradiction. Absolutely. So speaking of that then, uh, speaking of happy times, where's the happiest happy hour in Atlanta? Oh man, listen Lee, I'm not a big drinker. I, I, I'll have a beer a week about, right? So I'm not the guy that you wanna to go to to find out about happy hour, but I am gonna tell you about a really unique party that happens every Friday and Saturday night. There is this restaurant, 
just tucked into a little neighborhood across the street from a church. It's run by a man who's an immigrant from Lebanon. His name's Nicola. And every single Friday and Saturday night, after you're done with your meal, all of a sudden you'll see belly dancers gyrating through the room. And then Nicola himself, who's, I think he's maybe 73, 74 years old at this point, kind of a, you know, heavyset guy. He walks out in his apron from the kitchen with a bottle of wine balanced on his head and he starts gyrating his hips and getting everybody <laughs> who's been eating at his restaurant to get up and do line dancing with him. Nicola's is this funny, unusual place that you're not going to find anywhere else. Uh, so if you're looking for a dance party, maybe a club experience that's not the kind of club experience you'd expect in Atlanta, give a try at Nicola's restaurant on a Friday or Saturday. That sounds wonderful. I love when the, the owners or you know the managers of, of hotels or restaurants or attractions kind of have that great personality like that and go out there and you know, some people are going to be embarrassed you know, as far as dancing around, but they're just full of life and having such a great time. That's, that's amazing. Well, the first time I showed up there, I had no idea that it was actually a dance party. I thought I was just going to eat some Lebanese food. And then all of a sudden, Nicola comes out and he like points his finger at me and says, come to the dance floor. <laughs> but when I interviewed him later for this book that I wrote, he just said what he wants is for everyone to feel comfortable. And it's amazing because we don't all feel comfortable getting up and dancing in a public setting, but he makes you feel like this is a space for everybody. That is wonderful. We need more people like that. Exactly. And you can find them in any town, but now you know where to find them in Atlanta. <laughs> Absolutely. So one of the things I always do whenever I travel is I always look for like some local pizza to try. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Atlanta? There is a best pizza in Atlanta, and I think it's kind of a hands down best pizza. And it's a place called Antico. But it is a traditional, you know, wood fire oven pizza joint and you're not just going to get that like straight up pepperoni pizza that, that you know most people think of so i think really what it comes down to is which neighborhood are you in and i have a personal favorite but it's because it's around the corner from my house it's the place i can go for that little bit of comfort food you know in my neighborhood and the place i like going is in the kirkwood neighborhood of atlanta and it's called urban pie i've actually had antico's pizza before and it was really good it, one thing you, you got to caution because I like pepperoni pizza. It's like that true Italian pizza where if you ask for pepperoni, you're getting the pepperoni in Italian is like small little peppers. Yep. And so you have to be careful. You have to ask for something salami or something like that. You have to ask for in a different fashion if you want pepperoni like we're used to in America. You're going to be a little bit surprised when, <laughs> when a pizza shows up with a bunch of little peppers on it. I agree. Yeah, it's a pizza place that you go into to have a new experience, not to have the experience you've had before. So Antico is a great place, but looking for this, that like traditional American pepperoni pizza, you know, Urban Pie has these, uh, it's thin crust. It's just this really kind of neighborhoody feel. They have a little patio that you can eat on, or there's a city park just right around the corner. Just grab your box and go picnic in the park. Uh, it's that kind of thing that makes Atlanta, Atlanta for me, that we can just find that cool little pizza joint and just kind of relax and chill while chowing down. <laughs> Absolutely. The next one is, what's your best travel tip? I know obviously you traveled quite a bit going from Maine to, down to Atlanta, but I'm sure you have other travel tips as well, other than walking and getting a good pair of shoes. Well, that is very true. I am a walker. But the, the thing for me that I always try to do wherever I visit, and I, and I really invite folks visiting Atlanta to do too, is 
choose three or four of the most famous sites, like go to the High Museum, go to the, the King Historical Site, maybe even go to the, the world of Coca-Cola, right? But don't just stop there. The next thing you need to do is then start looking for what are the places that the regular tourists don't know about, or don't think to go to, and then find some of those experiences. Because one of the best things about traveling for me is I get to come home with my head full of stories and images. And then sharing those stories, and sometimes sharing the photos, with my friends when I get back to the place I live. And so how can you find those stories that your friends who may have visited Atlanta before would never have known? That's the way I love to travel. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. So Jonah, I really appreciate you coming onto the show and sharing all your tips for Atlanta. I learned a lot and I know that the next time I go, I'm gonna have an even better time than before. So can you tell us a little about who you are, what you do, and then if people wanna reach out to you and ask some questions about your books or about Atlanta, what's the best social media channel for them to reach out on? I, I'm a park ranger, actually. I work for my local county government and I work at a local county park as a, well, <laughs> my official job title is naturalist. But whenever I tell anybody I'm a naturalist, they say, hmm, do you run around in the woods naked? And so I just <laughs> call myself a park ranger. And that's the job I do, you know, nine to five. But I'm also the author of two Atlanta guidebooks. One is called Hiking Atlanta's Hidden Forests In Town and Out. And it's all those trails that you can go walking in within the city. So you don't have to drive outside of the city to go on an honest-to-goodness hike. And then the book that just came out, I'm really excited about as well. It's called Secret Atlanta, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. And there's a little something in it for everybody. It's all these stories that are off the beaten path or ones that uh, you might have to scratch your head, say, why, why is that here in this city? And, and I'm going to give you some of those answers in this book. So yeah, I'm excited to share those with folks and maybe that can be a little guidebook to some of your listeners who want to visit Atlanta and yeah, go to the Coke Museum, but also find a couple of those stories that uh, other tourists may not know about. I know those books are available at Reedy Press. Where else can they find the books? Well, if you want one signed by me, you can go to secretatlanta.com or go to um, Amazon, of course. You can always get a book from Amazon or from my publisher, Reedy Press. And if you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me at Secret Atlanta on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. Jonah, I really appreciate you being on the show, and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yeah, thanks for uh, having a lot of passion about this and uh, asking good questions, Lee. It's nice to visit with you. Big thanks to Jonah for coming onto the show and sharing his tips for Atlanta. Show him some love by checking out his books, Secret Atlanta and Hiking Atlanta's Hidden Forest. You can find them both at secretatlanta.com. Send a tweet at We Travel There to share your favorite thing about Atlanta, Georgia. All the links we talked about today can be found at wetravelthere.com forward slash Atlanta. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate sponsor of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs so that way you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code Lee to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Santiago, Chile to speak with my new friend, Steph Dyson of worldlyadventurer.com. Steph and I talk about that male performing arts festival, the horrors of the Pinochet dictatorship that you can learn about at the Human Rights Museum, and the Mercado Central, the city's cavernous fish market that dates back to the late 1800s. You'll be joining us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.